Good evening, everyone. Welcome to your latest Wolves Fancast episode. It's half past six, and so now it might be a bit early for some of you, probably uh, sitting there and having your tea as we speak. Uh, welcome to the Wolves Fancast match preview episode. I'm in association with Audi and the Boston Coffee uh, Vending Company. On tonight's show, I've got with me Jeffo, Danny, and Lewis Sharp. We have been uh, sharing some of Lewis's uh, posts recently on our social media. Um, I'm going to ask Louis, because obviously he's a new guest to the show. Um, the, the standard three questions we ask to all our new guests. Firstly, I mean, I, this is another one that's going to roll up me and Danny to a degree because there's another youngster who's on the show. We usually have a set question on the fancast when new guests come on, and it is, who's your favourite Wolves player that isn't Steve Bull? Were you even born when Steve Bull played, Lewis? No, 2000. 2000, I was born. Game's gone. <laughs> I'm supporting Stairbridge Glass Boys from next season. Fuck this. <laughs> Who's your favourite Wolves player that isn't Steve Ball, Lewis? Oh, do you know what? Um, <clears throat> you know, the best player I think we've all watched, uh, you know, I've watched is, is Ruben Nevers. But, um, you know, in terms of player that I loved growing up was actually Michael Kitely, who's probably the first player that I used to love playing for Wolves. I don't know why. Um, just, you know, that was obviously when we was in the Prem when I was at school. All the other kids were going on about Ronaldo, etc. I was going on about Michael Kitely and they didn't have a clue what I was on about, so... You know, I always Pro- remember that. Yeah, <laughs> proper rags to riches story. Michael Carley going going from Grace to Wolves to the Premier League in like a handful of seasons. Really impressive. I I still remember when he scored that goal against um, Villa at home when he came back from all the injuries. I mean, we absolutely battered Villa first half. Emmanuel Frimpong probably had the best 45 minutes of his career that day. And I remember being sort of choked up when Carly scored. It must have been the drink. I don't, I don't know what else it could have been. But yeah, I was, I was chuffering when he scored past Shea Given. Unfortunately, we went on to lose the game in the end. But yeah, Michael Carley is a, a great show. And then the stupid question, which is a, a fan cast legacy question, Lewis, is where do you keep your chocolate and your sauces in the uh, kitchen or the cupboard? Sorry, yeah, cupboard or the fridge. Oh, fridge, fridge. It's, yeah. There's no other way. People who have chocolate in the cupboard, you yeah, belong in the register. <laughs> chocolate register. Um, let's talk about Wolves a bit more in depth. Um, sorry, let's just talk about Lewis's Walker for a bit for a second. www.givewill.com forward slash fundraising forward slash 1502 forward slash walk hyphen TO hyphen Wolves. Lewis, tell the viewers, listeners about your fundraising walk before the Palace game. Yeah, so it's it started with uh, Brentford last season, um, campaign against living miserably at a, a men's mental health charity. I lost my best mate two years ago today, actually, um, who was a big Wolves fan. We did a minute's applause during the Man United game. Um, and in terms of, you know, I, I walked to Brentford last season. They do that in the month of October. It's called the Lost Hours Walk. Um, and I've always wanted to walk to a home game. I do enjoy walking. And uh, I thought, oh, you know, Palace is local. Um, you know, to me, it's my local club. So um, it just made sense. A lot of my friends support Palace. Now, I was going to do a lot of the London games. Um, I'll just get up on my phone. I was going to do a lot of the London games uh, as training. But I thought, why not incorporate them into the walk um, as well, into the challenge? So I'll be walking 271 miles to, to Wolves games this year. Um, so I'm doing Palace away um, next Sunday is the first one. I've got a lot of my mates joining me for that. Um, and then Fulham, Arsenal, West Ham, Brentford, Chelsea and Tottenham. Um, and then Palace at home is the last one. So planning's well underway. It's going to take me five days. It's four ultramarathons uh, and the last leg's 10 miles. So target's 15 grand. We'll see how close we get. But uh, I think it's definitely doable. And three great charities as well. Yeah, you mentioned them there. Um, obviously, the great fa- uh, foundation, Carm. You've got the Wolves and the Crystal Palace foundations um you, you just mentioned you, you mate there obviously two years today do you want to tell us about your mates how did you come about becoming a wolves fan from the crystal palace area lewis yeah so my granddad um and everyone goes oh so your granddad was from wolverhampton he, he wasn't he was actually from battersea um he was ill when he was growing up and he had eight brothers and sisters who all used to go to chelsea games um he couldn't go he used to listen to wolves on the radio obviously he was unbelievable then. He got a season ticket, was one of the first members of London Wolf Supporters Club. Um, and he's been going ever since, still comes with me now. Um, he's 76 now. Um, he'll hate me for saying that on here. But uh, yeah, 76. My dad's a Wolves fan um, and I am as well. And, you know, we've, you know, we've always gone. Um, we've got a great group of friends, um, both from London and, and also um, in Wolverhampton as well. Obviously, just, just mentioned your, your mate who passed away. Yeah, yeah. So in, in terms of in terms of my mate, um, we actually met him on the pre-season tour to Switzerland. 
Um, so there was a group of us going out there and we had a minibus booked from Zurich to Bern because um, we was playing young boys. And we had two spare spaces, one of my friends, Mason, um, uh, and then the other guy as well, Bid. I don't want to mention too much because his family don't want too much publicity about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, he he they just jumped in and we become best mates, really. Um, he'd come to all the games with us for, for the two or three year spell that we knew him. You know, he's going to every game. He's at his if I was at uni and I was in Wolverhampton, especially those Europa League games, Thursday night to, to sort of Sunday and then I'd go home. So become probably one of my best friends. So, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Um, but, yeah, made a great friend and it shows what football's all about, really. Football brings so many people together. It's obviously got into that, that story for you. We've... We've all lost people in that in that circumstance, and it's it's never pleasant. But just to uh, mention it again, uh, Lewis is doing various fundraising walks this season. You can find the, the fundraising page at www.givewheel.com forward slash fundraising forward slash one five zero two forward slash walk hyphen to hyphen wolves. Right, let's uh, get on to all the current affairs at, at Wolves because, like I say, it's 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 a, it's a roller coaster club and. Um, the biggest sort of transfer news that's come out this week is obviously um, Wolves rejected a bid for Mateus Nunes yesterday, um, around a fee around uh, forty-seven million pounds. Uh, Gary O'Neill in today's uh, press conference mentioned um, that we've basically rejected a link. He's seen as an important player for Wolves. He's got four or potentially five years left on his contract. He's obviously suspended for the, this weekend, but we rejected a bid because we, we didn't feel it met our valuation of what Mateus is worth to us. So we move on. Danny, come to you first on the Mateus Nunes situation. Forty-seven million should have been literally, <clears throat> shouldn't have even been acknowledged, in my opinion. Never mind, laughed at. Um, what sort of fee should we be commanding if Mateus Nunes is to exit the doors this window? I think the fact he has got four, possibly five years left. You've got to be looking sixty-five million, and I'd want personally, I'd want a player or two coming the other way whether that's one on loan, one permanent. And now we've been after a couple of their younger players. But we now City have got money. They were ready to drop 80 million on Piquetta last last week. So I, I think the 47 million, they're now the low ball in. They'll now it'll disrupt the player. Um, they're just playing the game, which is fair enough. Um, the, the problem for us is, is we now, someone's bid for our player. That's fine. Um, we've got, we haven't bought anyone in that can transition, that can do what he does. And with the owners at the minute, which I'm sure we'll get on, none of us are confident that money, where that money's going to go. We need it on the field. We haven't got squad depth. So even 65 million, is it worth it? Don't know. That is the biggest fear at the moment, isn't it, Jeffo? Regardless of how much money we actually recoup from a test, and as if he does leave, will any of it, if at all a small percentage get reinvested in the squad. Gary O'Neill has mentioned today um, in his press conference, with one week left until the transfer window closes, I don't think people leaving are the only way that people will be arriving. There's things going on and we're hoping to add and make things a little bit stronger. We're trying to be active in the market within our budget and what suits the club. It's that sort of last line there. What suits the club that really brings me fear in, in regards to whatever money we do recoup for Mateus. What's your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it, it, to be... To be honest, if it would have done it at the start of the window and we'd have, we'd have got a proper fee like somewhere in between where they bid for Paqueta and where sort of Chelsea played for Caicedo, anything between those sort of ranges is probably fair for him. Um, but to do it now with a week left, it's it's we're just putting ourselves in the same situation as where we put when we when Yulin left a week before the season starts. You lose somebody who's a key, well, who has not not yet to this point been a key player, but somebody who should be a key player this season, and who has the, all this room to grow and become a very important player for Wolves. And you allow him to just walk out the door, not to a rival, but you know he's still going to be in the same league, and you, you've got to replace these players. And I think, as Danny said earlier, I said we haven't got a player who has, is that natural progression. We haven't got many ball playing. You know, ball carrying players who play at Wolves, and to remove a player like that from a team so close to you know the end of the window is dangerous because you can't you can't replace them. And as Gary said in his press conference, he'd, he'd want to bring in players from that, but we we all are fearful that that's probably not going to happen because of the situation at the club surrounding the finance, the FFP, and and 
what potentially may be happening behind the scenes with Olsen. So it, it's it's difficult to see where the club goes from this point with this potential transfer deal and potentially how they carry on back end of this market and going into the January transfer window. I'm still reluctant to jump on the Alex Scott bandwagon, but it's, it would have been convenient if Matthias Dines would have been sold to, to have Alex Scott coming in in his replacement. Lewis, um, what's your sort of feelings on the way that Matthias has performed in the opening two games? I think there's only um, Pedro Neto and Matthias Cunha that have completed less dribbles than him in the, in the league with um, Julio and Ciso. So, like uh, Danny yeah. mentioned, he's a, he's a great ball carrier, but can we can we live on without him if he does leave? I think I said to my friends earlier in the week, you know, he's a he's a great player. I still worry about scoring goals because without a goal scorer, he doesn't score goals. He's not a goal scoring midfielder. He's great at, you know, making, you know, but he's so, so key to us because he just beats players with ease. You know, we saw Man United do, I do, I go back to sort of that, that sort of phase of play where he beat their whole midfield. He beat three of their midfielders and run with the ball you know against lesser likes as well when you're trying to break teams down i know he's got less space but if you can beat players that's what it's all about that's what the fans want to see my my key concern is is will the player force to move i mean things aren't pretty at walls right now um you've got man city calling people go oh he won't want to sit on the bench you know wouldn't he i mean you know we've seen a lot of other players do it. look at calvin phillips you know he's just sat on the bench won the champions league premier league won the treble he seems happy enough, you know, if they're getting paid a bigger salary, winning trophies, albeit not playing. I, I just think this move's got Wolves written all over it at the moment. And I think you touched on it earlier. We have no faith in the board. So if, you know, he does force that move, I think he goes. Yeah, I, I think Matthias would probably back himself to to feature for Man City if he did make, make the move. Obviously, Man City um, this summer lost uh, Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is going to be injured for four to five months, they're, they're reporting. And then you see the players that Man City are linked with, obviously, Paqueta, Eberichi, Eze, and they've even been linked to Keenan Dewsbury all today, which I thought was a bit of an odd shout for, for Man City. I'm not really sure what they're their recruitment style is at the moment because obviously there's, it's a scattergun of midfields again linked to every day, as you will do when you're Man City and the money that they've got to spend. So it'll be interesting to see come the 1st of September whether Matthias Dinners will still be here. You mentioned whether he will push the move, whether his agent will push the move uh, because there does seem to be of a sort of, um, how do you word it, a separation in effect between Wolves and Jorge Mendes at the moment, which is has been a long time coming to a degree. I've made the comment that we we wouldn't have got to a um, a European quarterfinal without Jorge Mendes and, and Nuno, but the, the relationship since that that second season has gone it, it's gone really poorly. The recruitment's been poor. Um, apart from sort of Jota leaving, we haven't made any decent recruitment of any any fees on players. So it does seem that we need to to, to move the goalposts on our recruitment. Obviously, Matt Hobbs has um, started with a plan, and then Fausen have maybe taking away part of that financial um, area. So it is a difficult job for Matt Hobbs. I think that's what Gary uh, O'Neill has been brought in. I think he mentioned today in his press conference, he literally called himself head coach. He's, he's not there to do transfers. He's just there to, to have a say and coach what he's got in front of him. The uh, other transfer news that came out this week was Nelson Semedo has been linked with a move to Manchester United and uh, Bubakar Traore has been linked with a move to, I think it's Borussia Mönchengladbach if Liverpool sign uh, Carl Ney, who's uh, at Borussia Mönchengladbach. What's your thoughts on um, Nelson Semedo to, to Man United, Danny? What's I, I think that there's been a rumoured £12 million fee, but as much as I'm not Semedo's biggest fan, I, I still think that's another fee that's laughable. Yeah, too low. And regardless of money, we can't afford to lose him. Um, what we've got behind him, we've got Matt Doherty. Johnny's still at the club, but the majority of his game has been left back. Uh, I thought Samedo, I know a lot of, he's a bit marmite in me, some loving, some hating. I thought against Man United first game, he was tremendous. And comparing him to Wan Bissaka, who they had right back, and this is why I can see the link may be real, he, he gets into the opposition's half and he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but just for numbers alone, whether you like Samedo or not, I don't think we can afford to lose him. This is what I mentioned in a conversation at work the other day is that even if 
Mateus Nunes does leave this world window, I still feel Wolves have got enough to stay up. I just feel it'll be really, really tough work. Obviously, it's a, it's a mountain to climb as it is, but I still think we've got the players there. But like you said, once you get sort of injuries and suspensions, it's, it's going to be a, an impossible task, for my opinion. What's your opinions on Samadha to Man United, Lewis? Yeah, I, when I first saw it, I thought, you know, this is one of them performances... Uh, one of these rumours that gets born out of when one of our players has a good player, a good performance against that team, you know, they'll just be like, oh, they want to buy him now. Um, so I, I don't think there is too much to it, personally. Um, I just think, like like Danny says, we can't really let him go. I mean, would you play eight Nuri left back still and then and then put Bueno at right back, maybe? That could be a solution. I don't know how strong he is there, but... You're papering over cracks. And one thing that, you know, I think is important to remember as well, with the new yellow cards and suspensions, that totting up is going to happen quickly. I think we're going to experience a lot of suspensions this season. Um, and that could also play a part as well. We can't... I, I like Samedo personally. Um, if we sold him for £12 million, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't be happy, put it that way. I think, uh, you know, that that's absolute daylight robbery. I don't know how long he has left on his contracts, but it must be three years at least, I think. I'm not sure it is. Can you, can you have a look at that, Jeff? I'll see when, when his contract is due to expire. Um, obviously, the other news was um, Bubakar Traore to uh, Munch and Gladbach. Uh, Jeff, I'm just going to ask you that while, you, while you're looking for um, Samadou's contract. What's your sort of feelings on whether Bubakar Traore to Munch and Gladbach is a, a plausible transfer this window? Can, I hear, can everyone hear you there? I, I can't hear you, Jeff. Sorry, sorry, mate. Uh, so yeah, I mean it, it, it's plausible. It's difficult to say because um, it, it, a lot of it works on what Liverpool are doing, and it feels like we're all, all almost like pieces of you know dominoes um, within a game at the moment, which all comes back to like it almost feels like Mendes has come back again, but it's the whole football world we're dealing with. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's plausible. It's just it's difficult to say that, you know, as we've said over and over again already, we can't afford to lose players because you can't see where they're coming. Uh, and to answer your question on Samedo, his contract runs out in two years' time. So course, that's, yeah. yeah, 2025. So it's you'd still want to be saying closer to 20 million for somebody who's played Champions League football or, you know, and, and has plenty of Premier League experience. Wasn't the fee from Wolves to Spurs for Doherty around twelve million? Yeah, yeah, and um, you're looking at a player there who who isn't as highly rated. I know he's gone on to play for the likes of Atletico Madrid, but it's not like he's he's pulled up trees. Um, Samado's always had a good, uh, you know, uh, reputation, and 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 comes counter Wolves with with a lot of unfulfilled um ability and, and you know and had a lot to prove so to put him in the same sort of price bracket as what Matt Doherty went to Spurs you know for is as Lewis said daylight robbery it it is Man United chance in it the um the only other sort of transfer rumor I've heard in regards to incomings is Burnley midfielder Josh Brownell Danny what's what's your thoughts on that um I don't know. Um, I, I feel like a bit like Oliver that we're hungry. We need players, but what are they giving us? And that, no, no offense to Josh Brownell, I, I just feel it's at best stagnation. Uh, stagnating, sorry. Um, yeah, he's okay. He's energetic. He will press. Um, you know that that's the style we seem to be going to. Hopefully, we stick to and we don't change if we get a couple more bad results. Um, it's a body through the door. It's a bit more depth, but it's not depth if he comes in, Nunes goes out, potentially Bubakar. So, if, there's people more qualified than me. If Matt Hobbs has got him on a list saying he's, he fits a profile, he's going to fit in our team perfect, brilliant, but um, I won't be losing any sleep if we don't sign him. Sorry for being negative about that one. Yeah, that, that's the episode title there, Danny. Josh Brownell is like being fed gruel. Um, like I could say Josh Josh Brown. Well, I sort of agree with what you're saying there. If Matt, if Matt Hobbs thinks he's the type of player fits the profile of what we need, then then we'll back him. But 
if uh, you put it on paper, if Mateus Nunes does go to Man City and Josh Brennan is, is his replacement, it's massively underwhelming. I think that's where we are as a fan base at the moment. Massively underwhelmed. There's a lack of optimism, um, void of any hope going into this season. Uh, all I can implore the fan base is, is just try and stick with with the coaching staff and the players because they, they're being thrown under the buzz here. Um, I've got my opinions on Fosun. Um I, I feel that they've, they've done a... They've done a great job over the years, but things are quickly being um, ruined with what they've, they've done in the past. They, they, they took us from, um, obviously, they brought us debt free from from Steve Morgan. They got us to the Premier League within sort of two years of taking over the club. They got us to a European quarterfinal based on you know just having the the whole system working together. Everyone seemed to be pulling together at the time from from Jeff, Jeff Shear all the way to kit men, uh, program sellers, YouTubers. Everyone was pulling for Wolves. Wolves was everyone's favourite second team in the Premier League in that, in that first season, second season, because we were sort of... We were, we, we were set up there to upset the apple cart. And ever since the pandemic, things just haven't really gone well. The recruitment's been poor. Uh, too many key members of the club have, have, have left. And, um, yeah, it's tough. Me and Danny had a conversation via DMs on, on Twitter earlier on in the week in regards to the rumblings of a, a possible takeover. I'm personally not buying into it. Everyone's sharing the same screenshot DM. Um, I don't I don't see it myself. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong because I feel like this club needs an injection of optimism, but I, I don't see why uh, Chairman Guo's at Molyneux the weekend dressed to the nines in, in Wolves in Wolves gear if if he's still uh, going to be owning this club. It, it may be that we're still seeking investment, which they've advertised numerous times, whether there's a possibility of that that coming on at the moment. But um, we'll see in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, Swedish uh, Rumble on Twitter uh, put out a massive tweet earlier. I think it was either this morning or, or yesterday, which was quite interesting. If you have a chance to read it at Swedish Rumble, a lot of talks out there about Wolves having FFP issues with reports from BBC, The Athletic and many others bringing it up. Facts are that the assumption that Wolves have FFP issues seems to be um, incorrect. If Wolves don't have any skeletons in the closet, which is a, a line I want you to, to keep in, in the forefront of your mind as I go through the rest of this. Wolves composed a £105 million loss over the seasons ending in 2022, 23 and 24. Only the 2022 annual report has been published to date, during which Wolves have posted a £46 million loss. About £10 million of those can be deducted for healthy expenses. That makes it a £35 million loss. So how can we be certain that Wolves haven't posted a £35 million plus loss in each of 23 and 24 season. They even signed players for 177 million before the 2022-23 season. You have to bear with me though, guys. This is a massive tweet. Uh, Wolves have sold players for £167 million just this and last season. Of that, about £120 million at least will be a pure profit. The math is simple. If they had a £35 million loss in 2022 and a £120 player sales profit, the operating loss in both 2022-23 and the 2023-24 would have to be an average of £95 million. Firing coaches and signing someone like Diego Costa due to injury could easily add up to unforeseen costs of £20 million alone. But this season, the wage bill should be lower than in a long time, obviously with the departures of uh, Raul Jimenez, João Martino, Adama Traore. Um, I would instead bet on that they could sign players for at least £100 million, which would add about £30 million in costs for next season, right now, without selling anyone further. Why are Wolves as a club claiming slash leaking that we have financial fair play issues. Wolves are posting regular losses of 30 to 40 million. For them to keep spending, the owners have to pick up the bill to balance the books. Austerity is needed. I do think it's pretty noteworthy. A lot of people are saying this on social media, that there doesn't seem to be enough questioning from local journalists on this, whether what folks are saying is legit or there's something a bit... Or maybe they're just not fully aware of how financial fair play works, which is, you know, there's, there's no judgment on that. I'm, I'm sure the people who write financial fair play, I'm still not 100% on how financial play works because it seems to benefit the bigger clubs more than the little clubs. But when you look into sort of the financial side of it, we're a club that doesn't have the, the, in, the incoming revenue, the likes of Man United, Chelsea, and, and the, the financial revenue that Manchester City report they have. Um, what's, your, what's your thoughts now, Danny, on the fact that do you still think there's a possibility of a takeover brewing? What, what, what's your thoughts where you are now? 
I think so. I honestly do. Um, potentially a co-ownership. But the only thing I think Fulton have gone big using our, our badge, you know, um, our brand, if you like. I hate using that word when it comes to a football club, but it is what it is. Esports is worth billions every year. I cannot see Fulton walking away um, and starting up a new brand when they've got our badge there. So I think if it is to happen, I don't, I wouldn't pop the champagne yet. I think Fulton will still have, whether it's 49% shares or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's where I am at the minute. I, I, it, we're getting to a point now, it's, it's, it's going to be typical Wolves. We're either going to be taking overall co-ownership or we are just going to start dropping down the leagues because Fulton seems to have given up, to be honest. Um, but we'll be here for all of it anyway. Almost definitely. I said this the other day that it doesn't matter what, what division we're in. Um, I'll still be following Wolves. You know, I ain't as old as some of the Wolves fans who saw us in, in the really bad years in the 80s under the batties and stuff. But losing 5-1 to, to West Brom at home was bad. Losing 3-0 at home with them sat in my seat was bad. Back-to-back relegations. It, it, it It's bad, but it never stopped me going. I still have a season ticket in League One and I still have a season ticket in League Two. If we somehow drop there, because I don't know about you guys, League One, um, the away days in League One was better than anything I've experienced in, in Championship and the Premiership anyway. Obviously, Lewis, you've you've sort of seen Wolves in the in the better years of your life under the Fulton regime. Where do you currently stand with the way they're running the club? Don't be afraid think, to share your proper opinion here. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I, I think I said to someone earlier on, on Twitter, uh, they're undoing all their good work. Um, you know, I, I, I was probably 12 or 13 when we was in League One last time. And, you know, everyone slates Morgan, but, you know, Steve Morgan didn't have what Fosen have. You know, he was a he was a house builder from Liverpool. He wasn't a, you know, conglomerate from China um, that was arguably on assets, the fifth richest owner in the Premier League. So um, I think I just don't get their methodology behind it. And, you know, I think that, Fans have a part to play. You know, we, we do have some fans on Twitter that, you know, the club come out and say something and then we just start stir something up. Like they come out and say we're signing no players. But I don't think they help because I just don't think anything's clear. Um, but like you say, I, I'm one of them people. I'm very laid back. You know, I've, as much as, like you say, I, I'm not going to stop going tomorrow if all's go down. You know, success is only half. I, say, I always say to my friends, actually, you know, if I wanted to support a really, really successful club and just watch my team win all the time. I'd support Man City. You know, you don't support Wolves for that. You support Wolves because you support Wolves. And it don't matter what league we're in. We're always, like you just said, we're always going to support Wolves. But I don't think Fosin are helping themselves at the moment. I think they should be grateful we've got two away games now for them to sort it out. Because if we was at home this week and we started losing, uh, I wouldn't want to see the atmosphere because I think it could turn. And I just... I feel for Gary O'Neill and the players because, you know, they're the ones caught in the middle of all this. Jao Gomez was brought in. He so wanted to come to Wolves. Um, he thought we was going in the right direction and it, it seems we're not. So you've got to think for the for the players and the coach as well at the same time. So, yeah, I think everyone's sort of against the owners. I'd love to know what the players are thinking. I'd love to be on a fly on the wall in the dressing room and see what they think of Jeff Shee and, and Foson as well. I felt my um, heart palpitation would increase massively if I was a fly on the wall in that dressing room at the moment. Because I did put the tweet out the other day that, you know, these players who've been uh, sold a project at Wolves, Mateus Cunha, um, João Gomez, um, basically working on the Lopetegui, they'll be, I mean, I hope they're not, but from my opinion, I, I expect them to be very bemused at the moment with the way that they've been sold a project. Obviously, Lopetegui was a, a calibre of manager that a lot of players would have liked to work under. Um, Jeff, where are you currently standing on um, on Fosun? Jeff, are you one of the men who are posting Fosun out on every Wolves tweet at the moment? Um, n- no, I'm, I'm still not like totally against Fosun. You know, there is a lot of worse situations we could be in right now, um, and there are a lot worse owners out there in football. Um, I think we need to be a bit more realistic in our expectations of, of what we are as a football club. Cause it's easy to be jealous of the team down the road in Aston who are spending big money, have a, you know, Unai Emery, who's a fantastic manager and signing top players. It's, it's easy to, to worry about what everyone else is doing. 
But at the end of the day, we've invested a hell of a lot of money in the last, uh, what can I say, we, Fosen and the club have invested a hell of a lot of money into into players over the last uh, four or five years. And a lot of it has been spent badly. That's through inexperience, through Fosen. They almost hold held their hands up and apologised for that by bringing in Matt Hobbs and, and essentially Laurie Dalrymple going, Scott Sellers going. A lot of the old hierarchy were there when the Fosun first come into the club or people that they bought in have now gone. So Fosun have, have acknowledged that they've made mistakes by changing the system and the hierarchy of the club. But we need to understand that, okay, change will happen. We need to go through periods of where we need to develop players because we don't have a cash cow like Chelsea. We don't have an academy full of 30, 40 players we can loan out every year. I know they can't do that anymore, but all that value in there and all those assets, we can't get rid of them. The only way we can make money is to sell players, and it's a real sad situation to find ourselves in, but it's the Folsom's only way out without investing, investing, investing. And they, they've got to answer to shareholders, and shareholders don't care about some little city in the middle of England. They don't. They care about profit, and they care about making money and making money for themselves. So it's not um, a difficult situation um, to, to look at. It's just we've got to understand we need to temper our expectations on what they want to do with a football club and we need to run probably more efficiently as a business. Yeah, most definitely. I, I'm, I'm still adamant that Scott Sellers took um, Jeff Shee's last bullet um, since he's, he let sort of, since the Laurie Dalrymple left, you mentioned Scott Sellers, Kevin Fellwell, uh, Matt Hobbs had to be brought in. I, I feel, I, I've been telling people for months that Jeff Shee was... Um, was pretty much walking the plank. I, I, I thought he would have been gone by now. I thought they would have brought someone in um, to, to replace Jeff Shear because he, he said not long into his um, tenure as chairman that he wasn't really a football man, didn't really know the ins and outs of football. It seems to me that um, Jorge Mendes was doing us good favours at the start and Jeff Shear was maybe over-reliant on Jorge Mendes. That's why you had the likes of uh, Geddes coming in, you know, Fabio Silva, £35 million, Samado. Uh, big money during the pandemic, which at the time wasn't really the sort of profile of players I think Wolves needed. Did that have an effect on Nuno Espirito Santo pretty much becoming the the void that he became in the end, sitting on his arse during that Albion game, which I'm still annoyed that him at, but was he literally fighting a, a battle that he wasn't going to win in the end? It's There is a lot of questions that you can throw at Fosun, which will all come out um, in the wash later on in our lives when... Hopefully we, we, we're successful, but who knows? The other latest news that's come out of Wolves uh, earlier on today is the rumoured return of uh, Chiquinho. Uh, reports on Stoke City um, forum. So that, this is what I'm saying. It's only a rumour. I'm not sure of the legitimacy of this. Apparently, he, he will be returning to Wolves soon due to a bad attitude and the fact that Stoke have brought in another winger in the last week or so. What's your thoughts on um, Chiquinho returning, Jeffo? Um, it's, it's, it's difficult, really. Cause, uh, if it is... Um, what they're saying, and it is rumours of bad attitude, and and him having you know this this temper temper, you know, being worried about playing and getting minutes, then it doesn't look good for the player. It really doesn't. But the whole Chiquinho going to Stoke, that took everyone by surprise. No one in the fan base thought that we'd be loaning out Chiquinho because he was so. Although he, although raw, he was he looked like he was going to be a crucial player for us. He looked like um, he could make a difference in the last 10, 15 minutes of games, or he could play games against you know even this season the likes of Luton, Sheffield United. He could be involved from the start against clubs like that. For us to send it to a club like Stoke, somebody who, you know, no offense to Stoke, they're not going to challenge for the championship title this season. They shouldn't. That you know, and they they're not going to challenge to to be promoted and get back into the Premier League. So to put, send a player with so much raw potential, who we felt that could play minutes for us in the as a Premier League club, was bemusing. So it it for it to fail like this on its arse potentially, you know, as you it, it, say, it's still a rumor, isn't really surprising because the player himself knows that he should be playing Premier League football because he's good enough. I did put the tweet out originally when he joined on, on loan that him and Hover had been banished to Stoke. Maybe he has got there and obviously not gotten not, not got the minutes he was expecting and thought, sod this, I, I'm, I'm 
you know, down in tools, I ain't playing for these lot. Um, I'm of the opinion that he, he would get minutes for Wolves, you know, with, with nine substitutions, uh, sorry, nine substitutes available this year. I thought the unknown wild card that Wolves had in their pocket was Chiquinho and Kolajic coming off the bench with 15 minutes to go. It, it seemed it seemed foolproof to me, Danny. What's your thoughts on um, Chiquinho and that, obviously, that, uh, what I've just said, Chiquinho and Kolajic as an option? Yeah, I, I, I think Jeff, I'll use the perfect word. I think he used raw. I think it, there's talent there. Um, he, he got the assists when he has played for us in the Premier League already. So I, I, I was like, it was surprised we loaned him out. I just like to say, I mean, obviously it's it's rumor. Uh, our fan base, we haven't seen any of this bad attitude or anything for Chiquinho. So Alex Neal is manager. He's been known to be a bit feisty in the past. So. I, I'll stick up for our play there and um, if I was dragged off after half an hour of a football match and I'm loaned out and I'm the Premier League player, I'd be a bit annoyed. But yeah, get him back here. We'll have him back and give him a cuddle. No problem. Agree with that, Lewis? Yeah, get him back. Um, you know, he's, I thought he was fantastic. When he got injured last year, I was gutted. Um, I think it was, didn't he get this? I might be wrong. Didn't he get the assist for Cody's goal um, at Chelsea? Yeah, um, you know, and uh, I, yeah, that was the moment that really stuck out for me. I was right down the front there. So um, he gave me that moment. And yeah, like you say, he can cross a ball. And I just think, like, you know, we how many corners have we seen not beat the front man in the last four years? Like, it's actually, it was nice. It was refreshing to see someone just beat their man, cross the ball. No, don't mess around with it. Just beat your man, cross the ball. Does everything I want. Um, just just getting back. Yeah, if that is the case, I'll take him back. Even if that weren't the case, I wish I'd never gone in the first place. It's another option. I don't think we have a player like him with his pace. Um, and, and really, he does the unexpected. So, yeah, all for it. I don't think Chiquinho is um, similar to the likes of sort of Sarabia. Maybe similar to Sarabia. Hear me out before I finish that. Uh, you know, similar to Neto or Huang or... I'm trying to think what other, other wings. Podence. Chiquinho, he has got the ability to beat the fullback, but he isn't afraid, literally, to take one touch and, and get the ball straight in the way. You know, there's too many wingers that I've seen in the Premier League, not just for Wolves, that have to beat the fullback and gives the, the defence so much time to set. And, the, you know, all the Brexit centre-halves in, in, in England who, just, who, who come to one just heading it away, it's a field day for them. Just Chiquinho has that ability of putting a, a, a cross on the money from from deep or having beat the the fullback, whereas Neto, um, I know a few of the fan cast uh, are massively annoyed by Pedro Neto playing on the right. He has got the ability to beat the fullback, but it just doesn't seem to work with him on the right. We'll talk a bit more about the Lockley lineup in a few minutes, but um, yeah. What's your um, thoughts on Sarabia Lewis? Because I'm going to ask every Wolves fan that I know until everyone's agreeing with me. What's your thoughts on Sarabia Lewis? I don't know your I don't know your opinion, so this could be a bit. Do you know I I do. Sure, I've got you, I've got you primed to a kick out if you don't agree. <laughs> no, I I do like him. Um, to to a point, I think he technically he's a good player, but I don't think. I just think I think last season it was just not the right time for him to come in and make an impact because, you know, he's a he's a luxury player. I think, but I, I don't know what it is. I just don't think he's like his position. It's weird, like. He just don't seem quick enough, if you know what I mean. Like he don't seem like he can beat someone, but like he he's good. But I just don't know where I'd play him. He's just an awkward player. And then I think like against Man United, everyone had a great game. Like even he had a good game, but it was sort of like you couldn't pick out something he did, and you couldn't be like he did that really well. Like he's just one of them. It's just average. I just think Obviously, he's an average. Player. Yeah. Obviously, we had Johnny Phillips on. I think it was last week who um who informed the uh, Wolves fan cast. Uh, viewers that the best place to uh, watch Pablo Sarabia is from really low down at pitch level because the view I see of Pablo Sarabia every week he's he's not good enough yet people were quick to remind me last week that he got an assist uh, for those who played the fantasy Premier League with his uh, set piece for for Wang's header I just feel like this is Premier League and it's not um, American football we're, we're not in a position where we can carry kickers during a, a 90 minute football match he's a tidy footballer but I just think the intensity and the pace of the Premier League just doesn't suit him whatsoever and um, people won't agree with me on this but I know he's a, a currently a bad egg but Daniel Powell starts out with Pablo Strabia every day of the week for me and twice on a Sunday I think there's just there's levels to effectiveness but 
drop in drop a comment if you uh, think Pablo Sarabia is better than I think he is. We'll talk about uh, game week three of the Premier League now. Uh, Chelsea versus Luton kick off the weekend uh, in just under an hour. Uh, Bournemouth versus Spurs is the Saturday lunchtime kickoff, and then the three o'clock sees Arsenal, Fulham, Brentford, Palace, United at home to Forest, uh, obviously Everton at home to Wolves, and then Brighton West Ham is the R five kickoff. I'm going to come to you first, uh, Danny. Obviously, we've had a lot of time now to digest the performance against uh, Brighton. Four one was 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 very damaging, but how did you think we fared against that Brighton side? Um. I'll come out of the ground and the first thing to my mates was, other than that 10 minutes, I, I thought matched is probably going a bit too far, but I, I felt we challenged in the right areas. We certainly created enough opportunities again. Um, it was just a mad 10 minutes. Um, I know we're going to get into Everton later, but compare our 4-1 loss to their performance against Villa and the world's apart. Um it gives me more frustration that we're not just getting a little bit more two or three signings in that team because they're not far off. This is a Brighton team who've been on form for months with an on-fire manager. Again, we're talking about players leaving. We haven't got players coming in um, to replace them. That They've got that at the minute. It'll probably wear out, like you'd have Southampton, the, the demand will outweigh the supply. But considering where they are at the minute in their trajectory, I thought, I thought we did okay. I, I agree. I, I thought we just came up against a really good side um, and Brighton. I'm not going to sort of blow smoke up the arse. It, it just felt like a game as if we were playing against Man City, where in, in, in previous seasons, that the fine margins, we were able to nick goals at important times against Man City. And obviously, on the day, Brighton took their chances. Um, you mentioned sort of mums there, Daniel. I think this is a culmination of seasons with Brighton. Um, back they were they were the prime XG side, weren't they, Jeff Rowe, um under Potter, and um, now now it seems like they're finally taking their chances and they have recruited well. Yeah, I mean, you only have to look over the last sort of couple of years, and you th- you look at the players that the Brighton have bought in for you know minimal money, McAllister, um, Caicedo, these players, and you know Kukurea as well. They have a system. They have. Um, a you know a, a, a philosophy they they know how they want to play football they know how they want to develop players and buy low and sell high and a lot of that comes through a very good scouting network and a very good uh, understanding of what the club needs and you know to, 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 without going into that sort of money ball thing and understanding like metrics of players and looking at stats and you know that, that it's a very holistic view of the way that football should be looked at now and this modern idea, idea of you know, taking statistics, but actually looking in different places and watching players and looking at how behavioural patterns play in with that as well. And Brighton do that fantastically. And they are the the you know the epitome of what what a football club should be run outside of a top at the top top six. And and as I said earlier, you know, it's, it's hard not to be jealous of a club like this because they play good football. They have good. F- good players and they buy players um and you know it's it's, a, it's it's an enjoyable experience to have a match there brighton and the, their fans must be cock a hoop so it, it, it's difficult to look at but as you say you you can say with pride i'm glad we ha- i'm glad to have a team like that in the premier league because it shows it can be done it's done the right way yeah someone made the comment you know adam webster solly march do, do these players, if they go on to sign for Chelsea, which probably Chelsea will probably sign them next week, knowing how Chelsea work at the moment, do those players reach the levels of what they're, they're playing at currently at Chelsea? Just It just seems like a system that's been built for like three or four years and that's finally paying off. And the players that they've sold, um, Kai Sado had an absolute nightmare debut at West Ham last week, coming off the bench and giving away a penalty. Um, Alexis McAllister got, uh, got sent off, which has now been rescinded at uh, for Liverpool last weekend. Like I said, these players, they, they just seem like the perfect system team at the moment. And I just think behind Man City, I don't think there would have been a worse team for Wolves to play last weekend after that Man United game because everyone had so much optimism. And I think anyone at, at home, apart from Man City and Brighton, I think we would have probably beat last weekend because I feel like after that Man United performance, the fans were so onside, the players seemed up for it. But I just think we just came up against a team who were just so much fine-tuned than what we were. And, 
that's, that's the fine margin of the Premier League, isn't it? If you don't take your chances, and we had some big chances in that first half with Fabio Silva, right, Nori, and, and Pedro Neto, and even the half chance that Mateus Nunes had when he cut in from the left and shot wide of his right. On another day, we, we would went into half-time leading that game, but I think over the course of that 90 minutes, Brighton showed, and this is what I keep, keep saying, Brighton showed while they're a team challenging for top four, and we're a team challenging to avoid being in the bottom four. It's, uh, it's going to be a long season. And I made a comment which got a few people hated during the game last week. And hearing myself say I agreed why why they were getting frustrated. But for me, our season starts tomorrow. Brighton and Man United weren't free hits. But for me, we have to start picking up points from, from tomorrow. If, if you would have said to me um, before the season, Man United away and Brighton at home, we'd take a point. I, I would have been chuffed with that. Um Maybe that's a bit negative, but I feel that's the sort of optimism that the, this ownership has, has thrown on me recently. Uh, let's look at the um, likely lineups for the uh, the fixture tomorrow. I'm going to pull it up on, on screen now. Uh, going to go with a 4-2-2-2 or 4-2-3-1, however way you look at it. Uh, same defence as last week. Um, is there any sort of clamour for you from you, um, uh, Danny, for Dawson to be replaced by Totti at all? No, not at the minute. Um, I go back to the Celtic friendly. Lopetegui was trying to play a higher line and he's going to get caught in behind. Um, he got caught a couple of times last week. But the, the few days before against Man United, he was absolutely fine. Um, not at the minute, not for me. I think to have Totti and Kilman, both left-footed. Totti, inexperienced. Kilman, fair enough, he's captain. But no, leave door somewhere he is. Any change from in the midfield for you, Lewis? From what I've got there, I've got a midfield uh, two of Lamina and Gomez with uh, Huang, Neto, and Cunha behind Fabio Silva. Yeah, I, to be honest, I like that. I, I know Nunes is a great player. You're never going to leave him out, but I feel that midfield gives us more balance. Um, having Wang, who's a natural sort of wide player, um, like ideally you'd have Nunes more where Cunha is. I, I think. Um, I think it's a really strong side. I've always liked Wang. I think he's always scored for us. He had a barren run when he came back from injury, um, but I don't think he was ever 100% there. Um, you know, I really like him. Um, I think it's one of them. I've, uh, I'm have i going to curse it here because uh, I've been to Everton away twice. It always seems to be a nightmare to get to for me, and I've got to drive tomorrow four and a half hours each way. But I've seen us win both times I've been last season. Um and then the free one, the year we uh, we first got promoted. So um, I'm all for it. And like you said, we need to start picking up points because Palace away is never easy. I know that from experience because they taught me every season we lose there. I think the last time we won there was when when Doc scored. Um, and it's been pretty dire since Jota equalised in the late on, but we've had two losses since. So I think tomorrow is somewhere where we've done well in the past. Um, I like the lineup. Let's go and uh, let's go and get the three points. Obviously, Matthias Nunes suspended um, tomorrow, Jeffo. Any sort of changes you'd make in that lineup there? Yeah, I mean, the two I'd probably look at changing, um, just for the sense of structural, uh, well, defensive stability, is I would probably take out Samedo for Doherty and Aitnuri for Bueno. I think Bueno is probably a better defender. Uh, and I think Doherty is probably a little bit more solid than Samedo as well. Um, I think we need to focus now on not conceding and to try and build from the back. Um, the one thing that we, we noticed in the last couple of games is we've given up too many chances um, in the way that we played football. Now, I think that's been kind of been the precedent of Wolves for the last year or so, is that we've given up too much space. And I think you said earlier, and Danny says it earlier, when Lopetegui was trying to play a high line, we can't do that. We we have to play to our strengths and what we have. You know, we have Craig Dawson. He's the wrong side of the... Max Kilman's not blessed with pace. Um, Aitnuri and Samedo are very attacking players. So you are going to get caught out behind. You need players who've got a little bit more defensive nails and a bit more understanding of, of how to play and play a slightly deeper line. They need to be playing 10 yards deeper than they have been. So I w- I'd say definitely, uh, for me, I'd bring in Bueno. I think he's just a better left-back than Night Nuri. And Doherty for Samedo. I just think Samedo probably needs to be taken out of the firing line after, because I know, God, he won't like me saying this, but I thought he had a, pretty bad game against Brighton. So I take him at the fire line and bring in Doherty because he is an ideal replacement. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with 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 a lot of that to be honest. I I, I don't think Samada was 
had a great game. I think he just came up against a, a, a winger in Matoma that, for me, won't be at Brighton much longer. He wouldn't surprise me if he ends up at Real Madrid in a year or so because of the ability and the sort of marketing ability that he'll have as a footballer. I thought he was outstanding and it isn't the first time that he's absolutely rinsed uh, Nelson Semedo and to a degree, I, I, I respect your your opinion, saying that we, we we probably should build from the back. But I watched the majority of the um, the Aston Villa Everton game, and I, and I feel that Everton are there to be got at from the off. I feel like we can we, we could blow these away early if we have the right um, intent from the off. I feel like Pedro Neto coming up against um, Ashley Young on that right. If that is the way that uh, Gary O'Neill is going to go and. Uh, and Huang coming up against Nathan Patterson, if, if Silver and Cunha can build up a relationship, which at moments I thought um, worked really well against um, Brighton. I think Cunha actually laid um, Silver through for the one-on-one, didn't he? So what's your opinion on the, uh, the, the, the team for tomorrow, Danny? Any sort of changes that you'd make? Uh, not really. Um, I did think Huang coming for Nunes, I think it's probably... Um, the best bet. Obviously, he got the goal last week. He's he's got the physicality to get back in when we need numbers back. Uh, they've got injuries. They're going to be low on confidence after last week. I I totally agree with you. We've got to try and hit them early. Don't let them get settled. We've got to remember who the manager is. That they, they took a battering last week. They're not going to come out with their ass in the air, letting us just walk it in. Just get at them early. Get these front players. I mean, you look at the. Again, this is a frustrating thing. Look at our starting lineup. There is a lot of ability there against this team. That back two, especially Tarkovsky and Keane, we can get in there and get at them, get it early. Um, issues for me tomorrow may be if it's nil-nil and it's dragging on. What, what do we do? do? Do we do what you'd suggested earlier? Do we get the big Sasha on? Um, with Neto, we should get it young. I don't like him on the right. I thought last week, they had James Milner, who's 58 years old, and you're just begging to get Neto on to run at him, you know, and get, get Nunes, who's got, you know, better close ball control. His ball retention is brilliant. Get their left back out of position. Um, but we'll see tomorrow. I, I'm happy with that, yeah. I think we need to be, like you've mentioned there, Ashley Young at left back. He is a solid professional, but I think Pedro Neto and Nelson Semedo, Dan Juma was the only sort of positive I took from Everton's performance away to Liverpool. He looked relatively sharp, but the uh, the Everton fan who provided me this lineup, he he seems to suggest that Sean Dyche doesn't think he's a hundred percent fit. So whether he starts tomorrow, there is a possibility of the academy player Dobby maybe starting ahead of Dan Juma. But like I just mentioned, there Samado and Pedro Neto coming up against Ashley Young. We need to try and exploit that tomorrow. It's um it's an area that. You mentioned it just, uh, Danny, in regards to if it's sort of nil-nil at half-time and, and me mentioning, I think we need to go at them from the start. The longer this game goes nil-nil, the fan, their fans are going to become tiresome. I think if we was to get an early goal, their sort of toxicity levels is probably a little bit higher than our fan bases at the moment. So they're, they're ready to turn at any opportunities. That's why I think Wolves should be um, going at Everton right from, right from the off tomorrow. What's your um, score prediction, Lewis? I think I think I, I'd say we never win by two, so I'd say two one. Um, but like I say, like you just mentioned, it's about us going there, getting that goal because Goodison Parks is known. It's like Molyneux, it's known for being a toxic ground, especially like recently. I mean, uh, if you said, is there many clubs in a worse state than Wolves? If I had to name a few, I would say Everton are right up there. In the sense that, like, that it's just chaos, isn't it? Every season, um, they they're back in there. So, you know, I think if we beat them as well, it, it goes longer. Um, it's it sort of it, they've they're winless again. If they don't win again next week, it's it's that third spot we will talk about. We're also confident on Luton, Sheffield United. Let's get Everton down there as well, below us. Um, you know, and then it's a three point gap already. See what we can do. I just think we need to, like I say, come out come out of the gate sharp tomorrow, get their fans restless. I think, you know, get a couple of shots in on Pickford early and then just let's just try and take it to them. I think, like I said, that the way that they performed at Villa, they had a few chances which Emmy Martinez made some half decent saves from. But Villa on Villa aren't amazing. They're just they've got a bit of momentum as a club. 
but 4-0 at home to Everton. I had I had Villa to beat Everton 4-0 on the Super 6 last week. I was that confident Everton was going to get panned because I just thought I was feel defensively and I think they're a bit weak in midfield. And the fact that they've, they've uh, lost Alex Iwabi to injury as well as Calvert-Lewin, I feel they're, they're there to be being comfortably tomorrow. I hope that doesn't come back to bite me, but I genuinely feel that they're going to be one of the teams that are in and around the relegations on the majority of this season, along with with Luton and Sheffield United. What's your score prediction, Danny? Um, I think I think going to have two nervous teams, probably with morale issues, possibly. I think, I think it's got nil-nil written all over it. Honestly, do. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, it would be a point on the board and a foundation to build from. I think, like, this fan base, unless we win comfortably, I'm going to find something to moan about, but a point on the board would just be a foundation to build from. What's your score prediction, Jeffo? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say I don't apologise, Danny, because I'm going for a draw as well. I'm going 1-1. I, I just think that a point at this point... At this point, at this point... Wow, that's great. Um, a, a point in this game is important. It It is uh, essentially a must-not-lose for both sides because um, no-one wants to go into that fourth game or the fifth game of the season, you know, chasing that first point. Uh, or even that first win in in some cases. So yeah, one one. It's safe. Um, Deutsch is going to have them set up to not lose anyway. So if we can get a point away at a, a, a rival and then hopefully beat him at our place, I'd be well happy about that. Yeah, Deutsch. After that four 0 defeat, will he'll have had him uh, practicing defending all week. There'll be no sort of attacking element to their training sessions this week. I suspect it would just be all out. We're not conceding a, a, against Wolves on Saturday, but. I just feel like we just already mentioned that you look at our lineup compared to theirs. We have to be winning this game tomorrow. I don't see the momentum on the back of our two performances. I'm hoping there's still a bit of confidence in the squad that on the back of those two performances away at Man United, we should have picked up at least a point. Like Danny mentioned, we didn't go toe to toe for the 90 minutes, but I felt we gave Brighton a really good go in um, last weekend, apart from that sort of 10 minutes just before and after half time. So, um, I'm sorry if this is on me. I'm going Wolves 2-0 tomorrow. I think, like I said, we've got players there in that lineup that I'm hoping will turn up and um, get us the three points tomorrow. Let's have a quick chat on the uh, game week uh, three because I always like to ask you where your money's at. Looking at those fixtures there, um, Lewis, who's your, who's your banker for a win this weekend? I think uh, Brentford are great value at home to Palace. Um, as much as I think Palace are dangerous, still no Elise. Um uh, I heard from one of my mates who works at Palace, who's out till the end of September, so he'll be out for our game as well. Um, and I think Brighton at home to West Ham, um, they're the two main ones. And I think Spurs will probably be good value away at Bournemouth. I backed them last week against Man United. Uh, Bournemouth are good, but I, I really like Spurs this season. Um, and out of the top six, they're, they're always the ones that I, I don't mind too much. My mates that support Spurs always gloat a lot less because they never win anything. So, um, yeah, they're, they're the three for me. Spurs, Brentford, Brighton, a bit of my treble tomorrow, probably in the Premier League. Where's your money, Jeffo? Um, yeah, uh, I'd probably say United need to put in a show at home to Forest. So, if they're not winning by three, four goals to nil, their fans are going to be absolutely... Uh, you know, a disillusion with what Eric Ten Hag's trying to do. So I'd say United at home have got to, got to put on a show for their fans. So um, Lewis has gone for Brentford at home to Palace. Uh, Jeff has gone for United at home to Forest. Where what are you saying, Danny? I, I actually had a look earlier. I fancy Forest to get a draw. Um, watched them against Arsenal. Thought the proper good show. Uh, obviously got the points last week against Sheffield United. Um. I fancy him, and as a, a stupid outside one pound bet, I think Man City at Sheffield United. Man City haven't got Pep on the bench. Might be worth a pound. Don't know what. Do you know what the odds are of that? Just a chance. I, I think oh. if you put a pound on, you lose a pound. Um, but <laughs> I'm unsure. But without Pep on the bench, you know, you never know. At Bramall Lane, if their fans get up behind them, they've got to lose some games this season. 16 to 1, uh, 16 to 1, man, uh, Sheffield United at home to Man City, which I, I don't think is great odds, to be honest. Like you said, Danny, <laughs> you better pound, you lose a pound. I'm um, I'm going out on a whim here, lads, and I'm and I'm sorry. I, 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 this is basically viral um, plugging here. We're the banker to win this weekend, I'm telling you. This is, this is the weekend we put Everton to the sword 
and um, that their fans got really toxic against Deutsch and their owners because it's it's already bubbling. And I think R11 tomorrow. I think Mateus Cunha and Fabio Silva both bag tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully I won't be back next week with a uh, really glum and. Um, just a glum face and hopefully I haven't let you down guys, but I'm, I'm backing Wolves to get the winner home. Uh, sorry, away to Everton tomorrow. Hope you've all had uh, in, enjoyed the show. Thanks for again for supporting us at Wolves Fancast along with Audi. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday evening with a review show, hopefully talking about Mateus Cunha and Fabio Silva scoring the goals at Goodison Park tomorrow. Enjoy your weekend. Take care, everyone. 